was uh, that was that's been quite a morning. We we could stop and have lunch now. I think. <laughs> um, last week we had um, a very um, inspiring morning led by uh, Charles and Christie and some input from John as well. And uh, Charles and I talked several weeks ago about me speaking today and I was particularly listening last week trying to um, try to sense something that it would be helpful to pick up on um, to bring this morning and um, Christy I, I don't know if I can quote you word for word but um, you said something that really hit home at one point you said last week um, in proximity everyone can hear from God and everyone can speak for God. Am I, am I quoting you fairly? <laughs> and uh, it, it was that um, it was that that I was was mulling on. And um, when, when Charles and I spoke on the phone a few weeks ago, um, she gave me free hand, so it's all my fault. Um, uh, but she she said, "Well, maybe priesthood of all believers." And uh, when I heard um, Christy say that, I thought, yeah, maybe that's the direction to go in this morning. So question to you first. Okay, you're, you're going to answer this talking to your neighbor. Um, priesthood for the priesthood of all believers. Is that in the Bible? Right. Go. Talk to your neighbor. Decide on the answer to that question. Is it in the Bible, priesthood of all believers? Okay, got an answer? Right. Um, so, hands up. Who's decided the answer is yes? Very interesting. Hands down. Ha who's decided the answer is no? Yeah, you've cheated. <laughs> Well, actually, I'd say you're both right, okay? You're both right, because if you were... And, and when I... You know, who's heard the phrase before? Who hasn't heard the phrase before? There are some. Of course there are. Okay. So, it's a phrase we use, and, and I have to say... Um, when we talked about it, I thought to myself, now, where is that? Is it Hebrews? Where is it? Okay. You can't do a concordant search, priesthood of all believers, and get any hits, right? But the idea is completely and utterly biblical. That's why I say you both right. Okay. So the person who, I have to say, I've got a, I've got a runny nose. Gonna hide my hanky, and I've also forgotten my handbag. Um, the person who um, whose slogan the priesthood of all believers is based on scripture was Martin Luther. Now I'm talking about the Martin Luther, who's an almost exact contemporary of King Henry VIII, right? 400 years ago. For the avoidance of doubt, 
the civil rights activist who paid the price for black lives was Martin Luther King in the 60s. Not him. We're talking 400 years ago. Martin Luther, who was uh, a very um, keen uh, monk uh, in Germany in troubled times. And Martin Luther always struggled with this question. He always struggled to know, is what I'm doing for God enough? Is it enough? Have I done enough prayers, been forgiven enough, gone to Mass enough, paid enough contributions, um, served the poor, preached the gospel? Is it enough? And he never got satisfaction. He was always anxious. And I think one, one of those songs today would have been a great one for Martin. Martin Luther. He... And then, as he read the scriptures, he made an amazing discovery that it wasn't about, am I enough? It was all about, Jesus is enough. And when Jesus died on the cross, he opened the way for me to be welcomed into God's family so that Jesus is enough. What I need to do is accept the offer. What I need to do is by faith. And this was, this was an amazing discovery that got lost, okay? So remember, we're talking 400 years ago. And the church was an almighty system at the time. Uh, and it had got a lot going on. And Martin Luther was himself in the system. He was a priest. He was a monk. Uh, uh, and he had realized that the system was failing and that they had missed something absolutely vital. I think last time I spoke to you, I said that I grew up in a church that had forgotten to tell me as a child in Sunday school that Jesus is alive and can be in my life. Martin Luther had grown up through a church that hadn't told him that he was already forgiven by God's grace and what he needed to do was to accept the offer and to step into God's family. Uh, so Martin Luther would definitely want us to be reminding everyone of that this morning. It's all done. <laughs> and you are welcome. And you can step in. And the way in, as scripture reveals, is through putting your trust in God. So if you haven't heard that before, you've heard it here this morning, right? <laughs> so Martin Luther, frustrated having grown up and been part of a church uh, that hadn't told him the main thing, how to access God's grace by faith, um, started a very faithful and quite heated battle with all the authorities. And he actually thought he might end up paying the price. Now, you know from the story of Henry, Henry VIII, these were violent days. People ended up 
being beheaded, being burnt at the stake, bad things happened, plenty of faithful Christians had paid the price in one way or another. An exile was one of the minimal, minimum ones. Martin Luther actually thought that would be the price he paid, but he stood up faithfully because it was so important that everybody heard. And as he began to grasp more of this truth and he battled with the power of the authority of this system who were priests and were supposed to have loads of authority, that's when he, he came up with a phrase, priesthood, it's a priesthood of all believers. You become uh, entitled, authorised, able to speak for God when you have accepted the offer and you step into God's family and now you are a member of the real priesthood, not the formal one, the real priesthood. And Martin Luther, this is why <clears throat> I say that it's a thoroughly Christ, um, scriptural idea, one of the passages in the New Testament that Martin Luther uh, went to to, um, to to make his case very clearly was from 1 Peter and chapter 2. 1 Peter starts, this letter is from Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people. Fast forward to chapter 2 from verse 5. Uh, Peter says, and you are coming, verse 4, sorry, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you, people of God, are his holy priests. Um, on to verse 9, they stumble, the ones uh, who have uh, not seen who Jesus really is, the opponents of Jesus, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. Uh, but you are not, not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, you are a holy nation, you are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Uh, and those are such rich words uh, full of Old Testament allusions. And by the way, the Apostle Peter, do you remember when, um, when they got arrested uh, back, in, back in Acts? They got arrested and pe people said, how, 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 can, how can these people be preaching? They are unschooled illiterates. You know, Peter... By being with Jesus, and that was the answer on the day, they saw that he had been with Jesus. Jesus. Peter, by being in the presence 
of Jesus had begun to understand the truth. Uh, I think Peter, by reflecting on the scriptures, uh, by the time he writes this letter, has begun to understand a lot more of the truth. Um, those, those words about royal priesthood go right back to, uh, to Exodus in the first instance. Exodus chapter 19, um, up the mountain, up at Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey my covenant. Just, just a moment for my lenses to, to settle, sorry. If you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So right at the beginning when God's brought um, Israel out of Egypt and he's calling Moses up the mountain, right at the beginning... The vision is for all God's people to be a kingdom of priests, right? And it's all about uh, shining the light of God. You're to, be, you're to be the kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And you are to be the, you're to be the representatives of God, the whole. That was the call of the whole people. What happens then? Moses goes up the mountain. Jolly soon, the people get, uh, they, they are warned to stay clear because Moses is going into God's presence. But jolly soon they're saying, Moses, go on, you run along, <laughs> you go into God's presence, we'll, we'll leave you to do that. That's, that's a bit much for us. We're just ordinary. We'll leave it to you wasn't the vision in the first place, right? The vision in the first place was that the whole of God's people who enter in by faith and obedience to God are the kingdom of priests. See the connection with the, with the New Testament, right? So Moses goes up the mountain. I want to talk quickly about Zechariah. The insight we get Early in the New Testament, and that kind of transition just before Jesus comes on the scene, when, do you remember Luke chapter 1? Zechariah is chosen by lot. It's his turn on the priestly rota to go into God's presence. And going into God's presence, that's where he hears that's where he hears the voice. That's where he gets the message. That's where, in that privileged position of serving, he discovers what God is doing and has a message that he's actually supposed to bring out and share. He slips up a bit. I'm not entirely, completely sure what, uh, what, what Zechariah's... Uh, 
problem was, but he, he doesn't faithfully bring out the message from God's presence. And so there's a bit of a hiccup with him not being able to speak until the birth of the promised baby. That's a little cameo that shows us something about the role of priests. The role of priests is to go into God's presence, representing the people. It's to be there in his presence. When Zechari- the, the commentators say about Zechariah that by the time of Zechariah, this rotor, you think you have problems with your with your duty rotors. This rotor had 18,000 priests on it, right? 18,000 priests. So that moment when Zechariah is chosen by Lot, the scripture says, to go in, that was his moment of a lifetime to go directly into the presence of God. And back to the original vision. If you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. The invitation from a God who treasures and delights in his people is to come and to be in his presence as representatives of the people and then to turn and to go with the message as God's representative to the people, right? Priesthood of all believers. To be that mediator, that advocate, that intermediary. Now, we know, go through the whole book of Hebrews, we don't, we don't need priests because we have in Jesus a great high priest. Jesus has done it. That's what Martin Luther discovered so systems of sacrifices and all the rest of it have, have been completely fulfilled in the sacrifice on the cross. But what remains about being a priesthood, a holy priesthood, is being God's privileged, treasured possession, come into my presence, be with me, Hear, know, discover, then turn and go. Equipped. You know, when Moses came down from the mountain, they, they found him a bit much. So not only was he a bit frightened, you know, yeah, run, run along Moses, you can go and you, you, you do it for us. When he came down, he, his face was shining, right? <laughs> and they couldn't bear it. The light of God's presence reflected on Moses after 40 days in God's presence was, was just 
supernatural. It was just too much. And they said, no, we'll just cover that up, thanks. We, <laughs> that's a bit too close to the presence of God for us. That's, that's what it's meant to be like. Not to cover it up, but to bear that light. On um, last, last week when uh, Charles gave the feedback about our, our um, <clears throat> questionnaires, uh, the, the question about um, what did we want if we had a building, and, and she said the overwhelming answer was a prayer room. My answer was prayer room, prayer room, prayer room. <laughs> Why do we want a prayer room? It's about the place of encounter. It's about choosing the presence of God, isn't it? Now, you did amazing creative things in lockdown, sending out uh, materials for, for home prayer rooms, right? <laughs> the challenge that came to me as I prepared this is, you know, how hungry am I? This enormous privilege that, that is offered to us by God of coming into his presence. The, um, if you like, the, the sandwich, the other, the other end of the bookends um, for the references which are there in... Um, with the references which are there in 1 Peter chapter 2, um, the, most people... Most people agree that the reference to a chosen people probably comes from Isaiah 43. I offer you Isaiah 43 for your treat reading um, sometime today. Go and read through Isaiah 43 and read how um, God treasures his people. The word my, God speaking my people. Um, my possession, I, I, I'm the Holy One of Israel, your saviour. Do not be afraid, I am with you. But you are my witnesses, you are my servant. You've been chosen to know me, to believe in me and to understand that I alone am God. There's that delight of God about his people throughout this, this chapter and the surrounding chapters of, uh, of Isaiah, to be fair. Um, verse, uh, going cross-eyed again. Yeah, verse, uh, let's read verses 19 and 20. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Here, at a time when exile is looming, but God's promise of restoration is there, God is repeating my chosen people. You think you've messed up, Israel. You have. <laughs> but the promise and the invitation remains, you are my 
chosen people. And this is why Peter, Peter is saying to us, this is who we are. We are God's royal priesthood. We are God's holy nation. We are the treasured people of God. Uh, looking in two directions, always called into God's presence where God wants to delight in us. <laughs> God wants our attention, unhurried attention. God wants uh, to reveal himself, his presence, and we will be transformed in that place. But that's only half the, half the role of priesthood. The other half is the coming out, bearing that light. Christopher Wright, not Tom Wright this time, but Christopher Wright, who talks a lot about uh, mission, who talks a lot about mission throughout the Bible, uh, talks about how uh, the, the, the power of the new atheists, um, and, and he said, if somebody reads on the side of a London bus, there is probably no God, they should think, that can't be right. I know Sally, and she's a Christian, and God is very clearly alive and well in her life. We are called to be the living proof of the living God. Now, I don't know how Christopher Wright knows Sally. Being a priesthood that makes, as we're God's representative, that makes the world think, just a minute, I discounted God. <laughs> but I can't account for Liam's life without listening to what he says about God. I can't account for Jesse's life without there being a God. Emma's life doesn't make sense unless there's a God priesthood of all believers. I think that's probably enough. I think it's about, and it's absolutely about, do I desire that place of privilege that God has set up for me? Do I desire it? Am I going to stay there in order to be who God sends me to be? Thank you, Rosemary. Let's just sit in, in that. So if you close your eyes. <clears throat> Rosemary was saying that we are the privileged. That we are the precious. That we are the treasured possession of God. You are privileged you are precious. You are treasured. We are privileged. We are precious. We are the treasured people of God. And God's light shines on us. Thank you, God, for your presence that's here. Thank you that we 
don't have to do anything but accept your invitation. We accept your invitation to the presence this morning. Thank you that you are the good, good Father. That's who you are. Jesus. But Jesus, we come into your presence representing people. People that don't know you. People that don't know that they are the privileged, precious, treasured possession of yours. We think of family members that don't know you and your presence. We think of friends and work colleagues, neighbours, strangers. Would our lives reflect your treasure? Would our choices, would our relationships, would our actions, would our words stir and invite and provoke people into your presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rosemary. Thank you so much. Should we have a round of applause for Rosemary?